Welcome to Show Your Scars with me, Jordan Angeli. Using my experience as a former professional athlete, I will take you inside the journey back from a devastating injury. Although we may not choose for this to happen to us, we appreciate who we become in the process. Now, let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. Hey, Show Your Scars. Welcome to another episode. Happy to be back with you guys and coming to you actually with someone who just lives down the street from me here, which is a crazy crazy coincidence we find out um, before we, prior to recording. But Megan Wharton is a beach soccer player and not just any beach soccer player. She plays for the United States national beach soccer team, which just was created in 2019. And she's been a part of this inaugural team and in the midst of it, you know, hit with not only worldly challenges, but also an ACL injury on top of that. She just passed a year out of injury, which is February 4th and is nearing that year out of surgery date at the beginning of March. So we talk about that, the emotions that come with ACL recovery, some of the things that she did to help her and really how she got into beach soccer to begin with. It's a really fun episode, and I hope you guys just sit back, relax, maybe take some notes uh, as to things that are helpful from Megan's journey. But here she is, Megan Wharton. Megan, so good to talk to you. I'm excited to really learn more about you and your story because we've been randomly like introduced to each other now a few times being in the Columbus area we just found out that we live down the street from each other so um, I feel a real friendship blossoming here with our love of soccer and um, you know helping people through ACL injuries so how are you it's good to see you I am good I am just surviving the snow trying to make it through the week. I feel like everybody else here in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is a real different thing for all of you who don't live in middle of America in the, the <laughs> you know, the, the Midwest, the snow in the comes, good old Midwest. Yeah. The snow comes, it hits hard and then it just stays here, which I'm not used to. I'm used to the snow, just like coming, snowing, melting. And then you have a couple of nice days with no snow on the ground and then it snows again. So it is, it is quite the thing. That's what everybody wishes for. Like everybody, it's kind of funny. Everyone's like, yes, we're going to get snowed in. We're actually going to get snow in Columbus. And then it happens and then give it like 48 hours. And everyone's like, all right, I'm over it. I'm over it. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially when you're kind of going through something where you've had a traumatic knee injury and everything's icy. I can imagine <laughs> that gives you a little bit of uneasiness when you're operating in normal life. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like taking, I have, um, a two-year-old dog that obviously loves to go outside, loves to play in the snow. And there are moments where it's like, <gasps> hold my yeah. breath. Yeah. Just, just don't get the zoomies right now, please. Right. While I have your leash. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's, it can be treacherous. It, it can be. Well, I, I want to talk and really start off with, cause you're a beach soccer player, which is such a cool thing. I, I feel like there are very few people who go from playing soccer into going and playing beach soccer. So I just wanted to start with the beginning. Like how'd you fall in love with the game and what was your, what was your start in soccer and maybe your transition into beach? Um, so my start in soccer, I feel as if it's very similar to a lot of people where you're three, four years old, you have a Jersey that comes down to almost like your ankles and you're just <laughs> running around. So that's kind of where I started. But then that was like the only sport I really 
got into and just adored love all of that. Fast forward a couple years, well, more than a couple, um, played in high school um, for Pickerington Central out of here in Columbus, and then ended up playing in college for Ohio Dominican. Um, they were NAIA at the time, total beast mode in that conference. Um, but then they shifted to D2, which to me was like a huge opportunity. I was like, all right, yeah. well, this is like the biggest I can go. This is the biggest I can go. Let's do it. And you realize real quick, like the conference we were playing in, we were playing against um, like Grand Valley State, Northern Michigan, and kind of really, really fantastic programs like that. So that is kind of where I played in college. And after four years, you hit that kind of spot in your life where every athlete does. We were like, all right, wait, I don't have to get up at 6am for training. Like, <laughs> Hold on, what's going on now? Um, so after college, I just played in like high level co-ed indoor um, with friends who also played at D anywhere from like D one to D three. And it was a blast. It was a great time. Good people. Um, and it's where I ended up meeting my best friend who one fateful day was like, Hey, there's this beach soccer tournament in Virginia beach and Mm. it's in June. It's a great time. There's obviously you're at the beach, you're playing soccer. It's a little bit different rule wise, which if you've actually played, it's not a little bit different. It's completely oh, different. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, so she got me to play in this. And of course, cause I was like a beach soccer. And you mentioned there's going to be like a beer tent. So yeah, I'm in. Absolutely. Yep. Sounds like honestly a vacation. <laughs> so I went down and played. This was in 2016 mm-hmm. and it was miserable. I will be honest. I was not. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting like, oh, I fell in love like this and that. But when you're saying it's totally different, it is totally different. And so that's probably a little bit of why you thought it was miserable. It was to where like, cause you've played a sport for so many years of your life. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, I can do this. I can pass like this. I can shoot like this. And you throw in the sand. And the sand just like hands you a slice of humble pie. And it's like, no, you cannot make a pass perfectly. And hey, you're going to shoot the ball, but wait, you're going to hit a sand mound and it's going to go nowhere. So it's super frustrating. Super frustrating. I think the only thing that we can compare that to is like indoor volleyball to beach volleyball, right? Because it is very different in the roles of an indoor team versus like a two-man beach team. And the surface is different, but the thing about volleyball is you're not passing the ball, this round ball on an uneven surface. Well, with, with beach soccer, you are passing the ball or trying to try to pass the ball on an uneven surface, which is like really frustrating when you've worked on that and honed that skill in for so long to then be like, wait, do I know how to pass? Do I, can I be good at this? Yeah. And you immediately kind of like second guess yourself. So like I said, my first time I was like, Mm-mm, not a fan, but of you were course, at the beer tent a lot or, uh, most likely <laughs> the you beach, know, you, you had to like, like <laughs> <laughs> you had to put a bandaid on that, like <laughs> that self-conscious and self-confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, but like as an athlete and with something that you've played for so long, you, I mean, obviously never really lose that competitive edge. So of course I'm like, all right, I can't, no, we're not going to be bad at this. We're going to try it. And there's 
actually more opportunities to play. So it's a good time. Let's just be better. Um, so my friend, we have a small group here in Columbus that we were able to put together a co-ed team and we would go to tournaments in Cleveland. Um, we went to tournaments up in Grand Haven and then we did the nationals. We won a national championship for co-ed, um, down in Florida. So it turned into more of like, okay, this is like a new path. I kind of love this. And from there, you just start to learn more about the game that doesn't make it as frustrating. Um, and the fact that in order to avoid, obviously, like you said, round ball, uneven stand, in order to avoid that, you play more up in the air. So you're juggling, you're volleying and things like that. And your passes aren't on the ground, they're up in the air um, and throwing bikes, which is extremely exciting and super fun. Um, so yeah, that would kind of was changed the aspect, changed my perspective on it for sure. Once you kind of learn how to play it correctly. Um, so then I reached out to a team in California shoreline, um, beach soccer club. And at the time that they were fantastic, they were bringing players in from England and, um, they, I played against them in that Virginia beach tournament and they Mm -hmm. whooped us. Like whooped our team. <laughs> so that next year, that next year I went out on a limb because we weren't sure if our team that we were going to put in was going to be able to make it. Um, so I went out on a limb. I was like, all right, I'm going to ask them. I'm going to ask if I can play with the cool kids, see if they'll accept me. Right. Like, so I asked and I ended up playing with them. Um, and that is kind of where like I got to meet some awesome now teammates, um, Lauren Leslie, Christy Yon, um, Bethany Haynes. And from there, that is kind of where the little budding inspiration slash first steps for our U S women's beach soccer national team, um, was created in 2019 asked to be a part of that inaugural team, which was incredible and absolutely terrifying at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, I met, nobody really knew anyone. Like I had played with two, three of the players on the roster. So I was like, okay, I know them. That's fine. But I'm sure you've been on teams where you're like, I don't know anybody. Like, yeah. how's this going to go? Is like, is this person like you're in a group chat with them. So you're trying to figure out personalities by like <laughs> how they text, which never right. goes over well. Um, but it's hilarious. Like you're meeting your teammates in the airport. You're mm-hmm. like, you're wearing a U.S. polo. Like, are we teammates? Are yeah. we? Cool. Great. Awesome. Like, here's my, co- here's my playing resume. What's yours? And right. We only had, and I always tell, like, I, whenever I say this, people are like, wait, what? We only had one 45 minute session on the sand together before playing our very first game against Mexico. And that was one where you're trying to make oh it pass and you're goodness. like, I don't know your name yet. So we're just, I hope you don't care. Like, I'm so sorry. But it was, it was awesome because it was a group of women that we all like really checked our egos, our history, our fears, everything at Mm -hmm. the door. Um, And we were like, you know what, this is like, we're the first, what's like, what's our actual big goal of this? Like, are we going to yeah, we want to do the best that we can, but I think what's more important is laying like a foundation and a culture that is going to build the game. And we're going to inspire 
next, the next players or the next round of women that are going to play and things like that. So Uh that started in 2019. Um, we played in two events, one in El Salvador, um, which was crazy. We played, you played in this huge Coliseum. Um, they did a back-to-back game with us versus the host of women's El Salvador team. And then afterwards it was, I believe they did Mexico versus El Salvador on the men's side. Oh gosh. So this, like you're playing in front of thousands of people, like the music, cause they play music during beach soccer. Oh, the whole so time. Fun. The whole time. It's oh, that's awesome. kind of fun. <laughs> it's awesome. Like you're going up for either like a shot or you're opening up for a pass and you just hear like, I don't care. I love it. <laughs> and you're like, I mean, life's not that bad. Yeah. So we played there, which was incredible. And that led to um, us. We ended up going to Qatar for the World Beach Games a couple months later, which is kind of the Olympics for second tier beach sports. Um, so a lot of these sports that were here, beach handball. Okay. Um, Interesting. Windsurfing. They had beach volleyball, but it was, I think, three people. Um, but it was a lot of sports that are trying to be seen by the official Olympic committee to make it into and kind of like make a yeah. argument for them to be in the Olympics. Um, so that was incredible meeting so many athletes from so many different countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and there we did, we went one and two, we played against um, Russia, fantastic team, Great Britain, even better team and Paraguay always like it's CONCACAF. So it's going to be very like crazy. Uh Um, so it was so much fun again, same kind of group that we had going with us. And then after that, COVID hits. Mm. Goodness. Okay. Well, let's, let's dig into that really quick before like dig into some of the things that you're talking about playing, because I think that there's so much of maybe what you learned in that, that maybe helped you through these next couple of challenges that you had, because there, there was a real challenge in that, right? Like overcoming those obstacles of not really knowing who these people were, but being able to, um, work with them and, be successful with them and be the first, like there, there's a lot of, I think those things that tie into this, what we'll eventually talk about is ACL journey journey, which like this challenge in it, like, how do I, how do I show up and face those things? And it seems to me like hearing you talk about it, that a part of you really rises in the, the face of challenges. It's kind of like that mindset of, kind of like digging back into your competitive side. Mm. Um, so when I tore mine February of last year, of course it hits you. It's like that just mental, mm-hmm. just brick to the face of like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? But it's just like, from there, it's a day by day of, okay, I did this yesterday. How can I do either two more reps or let's add on another two pounds to it and things like that. And it's just becoming competitive with being uncomfortable, like Mm. seeing being uncomfortable in a way that you're like, okay, I know I'm getting better. It's not going to be fun right now, but every time like 
I go to do those reps or um, I go on the treadmill either to walk when I'm usually used to running. Yeah. Okay. How can I just do two more? How can I just do these little steps that are going to just, it's like that compound effect. Each of those little steps repeated over time and time again, it's going to lead to a much more successful, bigger picture. Yeah. So it's like that little competitive edge of like, all right, can I do two more? All right, cool. Next day I walked a mile on the treadmill. Okay. Can I now walk like a mile and a quarter Uh and, or like being, I've never been a big fan of like riding on a bike until I tore my ACL. That's like the first step. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like that first step of getting that first rotation Uh all the way around. And you're like holding your breath because you're just waiting for your knee. Cause they like throw you on that bike pretty darn soon after surgery. So like, you're just waiting. You're like, can I do this? Okay. I got one rotation. Let's try to get another one. So Mm -hmm. like I now have a bike in my apartment and I'm like, I love going on. I'll do like little bike workouts. Uh And it's just kind of like, again, becoming okay. And seeing the uncomfortable parts as like competitive challenges. Which I like was trying to, I think when, what I was saying before is trying to relate that to even just these challenges you had with the beach volleyball. Like, I think we don't understand how, like what a microcosm of life this ACL journey is because even you talking about joining this new team and you guys all being new, well, like those uncomfortable things were not painful in the way that the ACL recovery was painful, like physically painful, but it was uncomfortable. And like, all right, I have to start this new relationship. I have to figure out these little things about how each player likes to play. And I think that there's just so much that translates that help probably in the end helped you realize, okay, this is just another challenge. I can face this ACL challenge and I can just do it step by step by step. Um, but it all came on the back of this. You you mentioned COVID in in 2020 and everything shut down and you were kind of on this high, right? The team just got created. You're competing, (laughs) like you're competing. You're like, this is, this is my thing. I am, uh, I'm playing for my country. Like, Oh, what, what was that like playing for your country? Like, I know, I know how I felt, but like, can you describe to people what it's like to wear the crest of your nation and and hear your national anthem and say like, man, I've been chosen to represent this country. It is so surreal and just, it doesn't really hit you until I think the first moment I had was when like, I actually got a package from us soccer and I had like our bag our like shorts, shirts, stuff like that. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, I think I took a picture of it too, just to like, yeah, for it to be memorable, but, um, the biggest one was walking into the locker room and seeing like your last name on a U.S. Jersey, not one that you ordered from like soccer.com, but like (laughs) it is up in a locker room. Mm -hmm. You have the penance that you give to the other team. Um, and then the biggest thing for me, which still like it blows my mind, but I absolutely completely embraced it. So I was chosen as captain for the first team. So of course it's like, (gasps) I have to worry about myself, but I also like, I need to worry about this team and make sure that like, we're all doing what we can for the success and everything. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a huge 
it's a lot of stress. It's extremely exciting. But at the end of the day, like you're exhausted from I'm wearing the U S soccer crest. Yeah. I need to not only like, obviously you want to play your best. You want to ball out. You want to do the best possible job on the field, but then it creeps into your mind of like, okay, I have to also like set a good example off the field Mm -hmm. because that is, especially in things nowadays where everything's on social media, there's things can just get out of hand so fast. You think about it and you have to take a step back and be like, you know what? I have this really huge honor and I need to make sure like I treat it respectfully, which was huge for us for sure. Especially with being the first women's team. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was, I mean, it's crazy. You hear the national anthem and you're just like, wait, I'm not in the stands, Mm -hmm. like watching someone play. I am the player standing on the field. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember our coach got on us after the first game because he was like, you like, do you guys see the men? Like they're singing at the top of their lungs. And we were like, okay, but we like the cameras right in our face and yeah. we're so nervous. We don't want to mess up the words and maybe that person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so funny. But also sh- showing how you he- held it with like such reverence saying like, this is important and I don't want to mess it up. And I, I want to represent not only myself and my, the name on the back of my Jersey, but the crest on the front of my Jersey, all those things. It is, it's yeah. such an honor, but I, you can also feel like it is a weight at times too. It absolutely is. And it's like, it's an, like, it's a good type of stress. As long as you just keep it in perspective of like, Mm -hmm. you know what, I can only control what I can control. And yeah, I just have to make chance. I just have to make like the best chances work out. I have to make the best choices on the field. And at the end of the game, look back, learn, but move on from it Yep, and things like that. But yeah, it was such like, I think the most exhilarating slash lightest weight on your shoulders. Like yeah. it, it was so much fun. It was oh, crazy. That's so cool. So in the year when the world was um, shut down and you are, have just come off these big games and these big tournaments, you know, just starting the the beach team for the U S uh, women's national team, essentially, what did you do in that time? And it's kind of the time where, you ended up suffering an injury. Like what did that look like? Were you just training on your own? How did the injury come about? And, and I guess what about it was the biggest shock to you? It was, so it was kind of funny, obviously. And when everyone was quarantined, there were all these like different challenges, different push-up, you had a push-up challenge. You had like, I think the toilet um, paper juggling challenge. Exactly. I'm like, some people don't have toilet paper. Do we have to be rude? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So we, I mean, we kind of stayed connected through that. And this is when everyone, um, was doing a ton of virtual things, videos and things Mm -hmm. like that. But after that kind of wore off, because obviously we got to a certain point where it's like, all right, we're still in this and we we're, we've run out of topics to do videos on or things. Yeah. You're talking in reference to your national team, the national team. Exactly. Yep. So we, got together with our coach and we were like, is there a way we can do zoom trainings? Like we'll all log on. You'll send us the workout beforehand and we'll just do the workout together. And we'll set up our phone to awkwardly record us, but we'll all do it. And our coach Francis Farberoff was like, okay, I think we can do this. 
So it first started off with everyone being like in their living room or in their basement with a ball. And he had us just tape down a square on the floor. So we're mm-hmm. doing high knees or shuffling in, like using the square as a ladder, juggling the ball. Um, I ended up going to my parents and did that in their basement because at the time I lived on a second story apartment. I was going to so say, if you're in an apartment building, your like, neighbors are not going to be happy. Bad. No. <laughs> so that turned into, it was all indoors and it was a blast. Um, but then it turned into, okay, can we get on the sand? And just kind of like socially distanced. So we were safe and we had people in Virginia Beach. We had people in Arizona, Colorado, California, here in Ohio. And it was setting up your laptop to like at the perfect angle so that he could see you like doing all of the drills. And it turned into like two days on Fridays. He opened it up to where you could either do it in the morning um, at 6 a.m. Yeah. 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, or Mm -hmm. you could do it in the evenings at 6 Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. And it was one of those, like, it was exhausting because we were all, that was like our best workout of the week um, when gyms are closed and things like that. But it built such a sense of camaraderie. And I think it put everyone into just a great place mentally of like, you know what? we've done the best that we can with the situation that like the world Mm -hmm. has handed us right now. If we were to go, if we were to just magically have to hop on a flight and go into like a game next week, I think we could all say like, we're in the best shape possible. Like tactically, we may be a little clueless since we've been just like working out by ourselves, but technically like all of our skills were on point and it was a fun way to introduce new players into the, uh, into the player pool as well. Yeah. That could then start training with us and see kind of like what we're going to start doing. Right. That's a good way to and that was huge. The, the, the difficulties and make it into a positive, you know, like adding people yeah. into a situation that they might not have been called into a camp just due to numbers and costs that, you know, you take the cost away and you just allow them to feel like they're a part of it and get the same kind of training that you are when they're, when you're not really together and you don't have to pay for flights and hotels and yada, yada. Exactly. So yeah. it absolutely was the best. And they're able to train in their hometown. Cause there were three other people that trained with me um, mm-hmm. here in Columbus. I know Virginia beach had a bunch. Yeah. So it offered them almost kind of like a great way to comfortably step into it. Like they're going to be training with their friends that they've already kind of trained with on the yeah. side. Cool. Um, but then it got like, we got to know people were like, wait, who's that? He said a new name. Who's that? (laughs) Who's that person? (laughs) Would y'all chat afterwards? Like, yeah, yeah. cool. I I think it just taught us too, like that, you know, these last couple of years, just that we do need each other. Like we are not built to live in isolation. That doesn't help anything. And, and we need, we need to be around people and human touch and interaction and, um, you know, that was such a good way to u- utilize what was given at that point in order to help you guys succeed and build off of it. Yeah, absolutely. And it was just, again, it was kind of fun. There were moments when obviously we were all muted, but there would be moments where I'd look at like my best friend, Nikki, who I'm training with. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like, this is really hard. Like he's really killing mm-hmm. us on this one. Mm-hmm. And 
but it was just, again, that sense of camaraderie of the people that you were training with, but then also everyone else online, we'd all text each other afterwards. Like, whew, that one was a doozy. Yeah. Are you alive? Did you make it? Yeah. (laughs) So during the midst of this year and you're training and you're working out and you're meeting new teammates and you guys are kind of alone, did you ever get back together before your injury happened or were you all virtual until February of last year? So we were all virtual leading up to December of 2020, 2020. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Oh my gosh. I feel like these two years just like mixed just together, all mushed together, straight, <laughs> straight mashed potatoes. Um, but so we had an actual, we had a tournament in Fort Lauderdale, um, NBSL national beach soccer league was brand new at the time and wanted to do a, an event that was a little bit different than usual, uh, tournaments. Um, mm-hmm. it wanted to create um, a little bit of a mix up by having everyone registers individuals and you were just placed on a team hmm. kind of randomly. Yeah. Um, and the idea with this was just like, you know, with COVID and everything, it seems to be like a little bit like letting up a little bit, but we know that people are going to have, aren't going to be able to field full teams, which isn't usually fair to the people that want to go yeah. or it may like, it's not fair to make the people feel bad for not wanting to go and stuff like that. So it was like, cool. Yeah. Um, and we were able to meet and see a bunch of people that we had been training with. It was both a men's and women's event. So you got to finally see a ton of the people that we were all making jokes. We were like, I've, I, I followed you on Instagram yeah, for the right. past year. And I'm like, just now meeting you. Like, I feel I know. like I know you and yeah. all of this. So that was actually kind of neat during that tournament. And that was in December. Um, and then it was in February of 2021 that, that faithful, just awkward, no contact step on old turf did mm. me in. So you're playing, were you playing indoor? I was playing indoor as I have done for I like years, three, mm-hmm. four times a week, Yeah, sometimes two games a night. And it was just one of those like freak accidents where you're like, I can't, I can't even be, I like, I'm obviously super mad, but I, as my mom so lovingly put it, she was like, you've made it through. I mean, you're 30 now you've made it through a lot of soccer, like two a days, five turn, five game weekends. Mm-hmm college. Like if this is, if you've made it this far with, and this is your first one, I would be yeah. like, you've done pretty well, kid. And I was like, so you didn't have any injuries before that. No, my only injury that I ever had, um, was in college. I had bone bruises, like my junior year, which were manageable. But then my senior year, I went in for a slide tackle and barely like fractured my ankle. But okay. that was just one of those, like, Right. Well, in a we few can throw weeks. you in a boot and yeah. it's not gonna. So this was the first one that was like surgery. Life altering. Yes. Like big surgery, moving back in with my parents for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and like the extent of like physical therapy that yeah. I have done. Did you know, right. When it happened, like, ugh, that's oh, that not moment, good. that yeah. moment it did. It was, I knew it because I just like, it's just that gut feeling, mm-hmm. that gut feeling of like, uh, uh-uh, no, no. And it was, I mean, I, mine was extremely painful. Um, it was just one of those, it, I was like, 
okay, all right, let's just lay here for a second. Let's kind of catch our breath. Let's Mm -hmm. like, I'm a very, I don't like to cry in front of people. I'm a very, like, I'm going to keep my emotions, which probably is a something I developed while being captain. And the fact I got to keep that yeah. composure. Yeah. So I'm like on the ground laying. And I think one of my favorite stories to tell about this, it, it's kind of like comedic relief. Um, my boyfriend was playing with me at the time. He comes running up. He was like looking for someone to beat up, thinking that it was contact, thinking that like one of the other guys on the team had gone into me really hard. And he was just like, seeing red bull in a china shop and I was like laying on the ground trying to figure out my own thoughts but at the same time I'm like staring up at him like it was no contact it was no contact it was no contact it's fine it's fine he's like are you sure I'm like yes like tell me who it was (laughs) in that moment he just needed to be protector (laughs) 100% and it was like that made me obviously kind of laugh but Mm -hmm. I was able to like stand up, walk off the field. And then there was like that little hope of like, well, maybe I just kind of like tweaked it or why do we do that? Just straight. I wonder why (laughs) we we do that. (laughs) We like immediately go to like, it's not that big of a deal. Like we want to correct what we know in our gut is something that is really bad. And I'm sure there is, Yeah, I'm sure there's psychologically something to that. Because I feel like so many people I've talked to have done just that. Like, oh, well, maybe I just, I mean, I did it with my, my last, my second ACL. I was like, well, maybe I'm just not strong enough. Maybe I just need to be a little bit stronger, but it's not a big deal. It's like, it's okay. It's like our, our first instinct is like, oh gosh, okay. This just happened. But then either we like can walk or we're like, okay, the pain is kind of gone now. You're that's when your brain switches to well, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe that didn't happen. Yeah. Maybe I'm just overreacting. Yeah, exactly. Narrator. She mm-hmm. was not overreacting. <laughs> um, no, she wasn't. What do you, no. what do you think it was the most helpful or did you have someone that helped you through those first few weeks before surgery, getting you like set up? How'd you choose your doctor? How'd you go about all that stuff? Um, so it was, I made the kind of like decision. I was like, all right, as soon as I tore it, I went to like the emergency room because I, what else do you do during like this type of emergency? And that proved to be not like not helpful at all. Yeah. PSA, don't go to the emergency yeah, room, people. Just like, don't do it. It's not, if like, rarely just wait is it, it out. Yeah. Just wait it out. Especially when the doctor, they were extremely nice, extremely helpful because I came in obviously in full blown tears. Cause as mm-hmm. soon as we got in the car, that's when the ugly crying happened. Mm. Like the deep, like, <laughs> like gasping, mm-hmm. yeah. um, people in the ER were fantastic, super sweet, but the doctor like did the ACL test and she was like, well, I don't, I mean, it feels fine to me again. Step two of well, maybe it's not as bad. <laughs> Which, um, which an ER doctor knows a lot of things, but like that Littman's test is not one of the yes. things that they. Not at all. So know. save yourself, save yourself the false hope, first of all, <laughs> and to save yourself the hospital bill that comes with it Ooh. of being told of, well, you didn't like break a bone because I mm-hmm. did get x-rays there. Um, so I was really lucky. I um, had connections that were able to get me in to see like one of the best, 
if not the best knee doctors here in Columbus. Um, and he was able to see me. I think it was like the, literally the morning after mm, and nice. went in and he was like, yep, gonna, gonna go ahead and say it's torn for sure. Let's take MRIs to see like what other damage was done, which then you're like, there's more right. like what? I didn't think this was like a, to be continued type thing. So it was with so mine. True. I was fortunate enough to only tear my ACL. Oh, good. Um, I sprained my MCL, um, which is why my surgery was pushed back a month. They were like, we are, when we go in and do surgery, we're going to make your knee very, very angry. And if your MCL isn't like hundred percent, we don't want to go in there. Like mm-hmm. let's let that rehab and things like that. So that was kind of like, that was a blow. Cause you're like, I'm ready let's for it. I'm ready do to it. do it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm ready for this journey. Like you're super hyped. You're super hyped. And then they're like, well, we're going to wait a month. And then you start thinking like, obviously your mind goes ahead of you and you're like one, two, three, four, what? Mm -hmm. Hold on. That puts me at this, not this date to come back. Um, but again, you just have to like, I can't change it. Mm -hmm. Can't change it. I'm going to handle it the best way possible. Um, so I did the teller. I did my patellar tendon. Um, it was funny. Doc was like, well, how long do you plan on playing still? Dr. Edwards. Yes. Yeah. Yep. He was like, how long do you plan on playing still? I was like, as long as possible beach is like a lot better on your like yeah. joints and very low impact. And he was like, okay. And I was like, yeah, give me the best. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. He was like, all right, I'm in. So had surgery. Um, it, it what I didn't do well with anesthesia. So I needed some snacks and some juice afterwards. And it was like, that was my first big surgery I'd ever done. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. was actually really nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think helped with that? Because there's a lot of people that reach out and there's like, I'm really nervous. Is there anything that comforted you in those moments before surgery? It was the biggest thing is like, so if you're, I would say that if your surgery is pushed out, try to do everything in your power to just keep working out or keep mm-hmm. trying to get like that quad strength. Um, because it is, they are 100% true when they say your quad just magically disintegrates after surgery. And so the biggest thing is trying to get that quad as strong as possible, um, mm-hmm. through whatever ways they tell you and the exercises they give you, because in a way that gives you like a great distraction and it kind of gives you a peace of mind going into surgery of yeah. like, all right, well, I'm doing everything I can. I've done everything. Like they've asked me to, I feel strong. And regardless of whether you're an athlete or not, um, it just, it helps take your mind off of it. It just kind of helps you feel more confident Mm -hmm. going in. Right. Um, and the other thing is I tried to hold in like how I was feeling and things like that. But then like that evening, right before surgery, I remember sharing with my parents sharing with my best friend, my boyfriend, and just being like, all right, I'm, I'm nervous. And this is why I'm nervous. And that's the biggest thing is like, whether you like have like a best friend, parent, grandparent, um, significant other, 
that you can talk to or just being able to write it down and just being like, okay with those feelings was a big thing. So like me saying it out loud, it was Mm -hmm. like, okay, all right, we've addressed that. We can move on from that. Yeah. Um, there's, there's really a release in it too. Like from your brain standpoint, if you hold on to those things and you never let it go through, you know, I see journaling a lot and I think people just journaling gets a bad rap and people are like, I don't want to journal, but like, it's just journaling is just writing things down. That's all it is, is writing things down. It's basically like having a community, like a conversation with a piece of paper, right? You're just being able to express that. But to say those things, you are physically releasing them and saying like, I'm not going to just feed this all my thoughts all the time. I'm going to let it go and I'm going to allow it to just be out there. And it's going to, it's, it might not change any outcome, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to continue to focus on something that isn't going to help me. Like that fear is not going to help you. Exactly. And one of my like favorite favorite people, Glennon Doyle. She's like, you have to feel your emotions. Mm -hmm. You have to feel them in order to address them in order to figure out what your next step is, which I think is so important. It's, and it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be a big deal, whether you're telling someone or you can keep it super private and just, it's between you, a pen and a piece of paper. Exactly. So it can be whatever it is, but just making sure you address that. And then with mine, I was a jokester. Like I handle when I'm really nervous, I'm always the first one to like crack a joke. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I was in surgery or not in surgery, obviously, but like going in and like you have a hairnet on and and dragged up and you're like, I remember saying like, I'm sorry, they didn't let me shave my legs for like a week before surgery. (laughs) So I apologize if they're a little, little scruffy and like just all of this just Uh. to like, make yourself feel better Uh and kind of like have a good relationship with like the nurses that are taking care of you and things like that. So then, yeah, you just fall asleep and you wake up and you're like, Oh, what is this? (laughs) And then, you know, you get out of surgery and it's just all uphill from there, you know, never any bumps in the road, nothing like that. Right. It's just a a straight (laughs) line to where you want to be. Um, clearly joking, everybody. It is, uh, you know, this is a winding path of ups and downs and plateaus and backwards and forwards and up. But for you, Megan, when you were going through that, what were some of the most challenging parts of the rehab process and and how did you cope with those? Um, the biggest, so I honestly loved the first part of rehab just because again, this was my first like big surgery Uh and going into PT and stuff, I was more like, what's my scar going to look like? What's this going to look like? And like, what can I do? And all of that. And when the most activity you kind of can do is get a rotation on a bike with your Uh leg or being able to bend to 90 degrees. Like you have these little goals after like right after surgery. Yeah. For me, it was like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. Like I'm going to mark that spot on the wall and I'm going to get to it. And it was just, I was more excited about it because it was a brand new experience for me. Okay. Um, so for me, it was like, oh, I am allowed to do this. Okay. All right. Oh, I can do this. Um, right up until they introduced blood flow restriction training, which 
I've never, I never did that. It's kind of a newer thing. So uh, do you feel like it helped? Do you, what were the benefits of that for you personally, as you were going through rehab? So for me, it was, so in a just blood flow restriction training, um, for you guys that like, haven't had it or haven't heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. So it is where they almost take, it's like a big, like cuff similar to what you would get with your blood pressure, Uh but they put it on your thigh, um, really high up on your thigh and they apply pressure, air pressure into it to a certain, um, number based on your measurements and things like that. And what it does is it, in layman terms, it cuts off what feels like any and all circulation going to your leg. (laughs) Like it is the most uncomfortable, so uncomfortable, but it gets better. They then ask you, you're doing exercises. So you're doing, um, squats on the shuttle or squats on a BOSU ball. You're doing 30 of them, then three sets of 15. Mm -hmm. And at first you're like, okay, this is fine. And then it's just, it's not painful, but it's, it's uncomfortable. And the science behind it is that it is low impact on your joints, but it's getting the most out of your muscles. So it's already tiring your muscles out. Obviously your muscles are starving for oxygen. They're Mm -hmm. like, we need new blood flow. Like let us breathe, let us breathe. And so that, um, signals to your brain, like, all right, let's, we need to get stuff moving. And it actually releases just like new, fresh, new blood and things like that. So that your muscles are able to kind of, I don't want to say get bigger, but they're able rebuild to heal, in that. Yeah. rebuild yeah. a little bit faster, but without that high impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of you're squatting and you're adding, you have like a ton of weight, you can squat with blood flow restriction training and have less weight, but have similar results. So mm-hmm. to me, it was, again, it's a new thing. So you're excited to try it, but at the same time, you're like, all right, this is really painful. Yeah. Like, Were there any moments that you had to like get past fear and just trust your physical therapist or, uh, whatever that next step was in your process? It was, so the biggest, I, I have to say the biggest moment I know for me, and I would say a lot of ACL fellow ACL club members would be, when do I get to do this again? Uh When do I get to run again? When, which is the biggest thing, what's your timeline. Uh And that's the biggest, just the, like a huge moment with like your physical therapist is just having those open conversations. And my biggest thing was just trusting, um, my physical therapist, Jeff, who is phenomenal and trusting that this is not his first rodeo. And Uh he, we were able to build that trust right off the bat from the fact that he answered every one of my questions, but also I went on a limb and asked those questions. Yes. It's, it's your life. Like you have to be able to ask those questions. Like there are no stupid questions whatsoever. Uh So for him asking those, like answering those questions for me, but doing it in a way that like made me feel comfortable to ask the next one. And he gave me, he gave me just flat out honest answers. So when, of course you're asking, can I run yet? Can I run yet? I feel fine. I feel Mm -hmm. fine. And he gives you the perfect response of we'll see. And you're just like, 
come on. <laughs> well, I think that the challenging part for that is like, we want to know that we're progressing. And if we're not hitting what we think are these expected timeline type moments of progression, it can feel, it can feel very defeating. But yes. what you're saying is that if you open up and communication to me is if you look overall at injury recovery or like difficult times in your life's communication is probably the best thing that you learn from those, those hard moments is because if you're willing to communicate, if you're willing to say, this is how I feel, these are my questions and listen to, you know, communication isn't just speaking, it's listening to what somebody else is saying as well. You're, you're able to understand that this timeline that we have of expectations of, I expect to be here. I'm running at this amount. I'm doing this at this amount. I'm back in seven months, whatever it is that that timeline and those expectations are, are just what we've put on it. And in order to let those go in a way that communication breaks those barriers down and it says, okay, well, like, yeah, I like, I wanted to get there, but just because I'm not getting there doesn't mean I'm not progressing because for you, you were talking to Jeff, right. And Jeff was saying, you're progressing. This is, this is what you're doing, but I'm also here to protect you and to allow you to know that when you take that next step, you're going to be ready for that next step. Exactly. And that's the biggest thing is just knowing, knowing your limits and knowing like you have to be able to trust who you're working with. Mm -hmm. And if you're ready to kind of push yourself, it's okay to like, tell them like, Hey, I think I can go a couple pounds heavier or something like that. Yeah. Just be ready for them to ask, like, are you sure? Um, but that's the biggest thing is again. Yeah. Like you said, communication, listening and openly discussing what your goal is, what, like what you want to be able to accomplish next week so that Mm -hmm. you're comfortable with those next steps. And also you guys can like put together a plan because everyone loves a plan. You can work with him and you guys can compromise or figure out the best way possible for you to reach that milestone Mm -hmm. safely, which is the biggest thing is safely because it, you can't ever avoid it, but you want to try as best as possible to not have any setbacks, Mm -hmm. which always seems to happen. Did you have a, a setback? Mine was just my test results. I felt good. Like my quad looked good strength and everything, but my just test results were still like so close, but yet so far to be released at the end to be like released into like getting back into playing a little Uh bit, um, running as well. So you're like, all right, well, what else can I do? What else can I do? That's what I asked. And we devised a plan and it got me to those results, but those, that was my setback. And it was just like, Oh gosh, like what aren't I doing? Do I need mm-hmm. to do more on my own? Am I yeah. do I need to go harder in PT? Mm-hmm. So mentally, how how did you handle this? Like what were the things that you did or relied upon or incorporated into your mindset or your your mental side, emotional side training during this last year that really helped you get through the difficulties of this process? I really really got into reading. And I've always, like, I always have a loved reading, but mm-hmm. they've always been like your normal, like maybe a Nicholas Sparks over here, like a murder <laughs> mystery over here, but I've never been into one that's like either, um, 
I don't want to like self-help, I guess you would say, mm-hmm. or autobiographies, whatever it may be. So I really got into reading and I had, I talked with friends about like, Ooh, what books do you recommend? And things like that. So I've read probably more books this past year than I mm-hmm. have all of college. Don't oh. tell my professors. <laughs> no, for sure. Me too. For sure. I think you have a, under like a greater appreciation too, when you're going through something to like seek any kind of help out of that, that you can. So maybe that's why you're leaning to those self-help type of, of books, right? You want to know, okay, like what's some good things I can implement in my life that are helpful. I mean, even reading in general, just to like get your brain off of thinking about what you're going through. Like I'm a big, big, um, proponent for saying this ACL recovery can be so like all encompassing. And if you don't allow yourself to have an escape from that, if you're thinking about it all the time, it's just going to make it that much more challenging. So allowing yourself to have a little bit of a getaway, uh, whether it's a creative getaway for you, it was reading and, um, you know, utilizing your brain in a different way, but I think it's so important. So important. It's huge. And a lot, like I've continued that reading now and I'm, I just finished, um, walking miracle by Ryan Shazier fantastic book. So good. And especially coming from that ACL mindset, he went through, it it makes almost like an ACL tear look like a paper cut. Uh He went through paralysis, fighting back and things like that. So reading that, it was like, oh my gosh, like, he's like, this is crazy. And just, I've read the Carly Lloyd autobiography Uh and stuff like that. And it's those books like that make it, makes those people feel very relatable compared to what you're going through. And it's like that sense of comfort of this is how they handled it. Mm -hmm. You know what? I can do that too. Like I can handle, I can do these things and it's just like, it's comforting and it's inspirational and a hundred percent motivational. Well, Megan, we're going to have to get like a list of you. We'll add it to the show notes of like, here are the books that I recommend that were really helpful for me. How about that? Would that be? Absolutely. They're all like, easy reads. Yeah. Pretty short, but just little, little nuggets of information that helped me along the way. Perfect. Um, can you believe it's been a year? Uh, no, it's like the longest, fastest journey I think I've ever, like I've ever experienced. (laughs) It is why it really is wild. It's hard to explain properly what a year in this recovery is like. It's there's moments where it feels like it is absolutely dragging by. And then there's moments where you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm this far out. Where did the time go? Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's crazy. And it's, it is very true when they say that, like, it's a constant improvement, constant, like opportunity to just like keep getting stronger. Cause even now I'm still in PT once a week. Yeah. Last about two hours, kind of just to see how we're doing Yeah, new strength exercises and things like that. Plus, like, I loved my PT. I love the people that I worked with. So I yeah. was like, I don't want to leave. Like, can I just keep coming? Can uh-huh. I just work remotely from yeah. here? <laughs> can I have a membership, just a gym <laughs> membership to your, <laughs> um, and the, the, one of the cool things and really how I started the ACL club way long ago, or this, this first inclination of what the ACL club was going to be is I was at my PT and there was a guy that played football who was in front of me in his process. And there were people behind me in their process. 
And I was kind of just chatting with them about, you know, I would ask the guy, well, what was this like? And I would talk to the kids behind me about what that was like. And one of the cool things at your PT gym is you guys have that community too. How important is that? Was that for you to just have people surrounding you who were going through it and like at PT with you kind of a part of your process, even if they were before behind you? It was, it was really interesting to see like the different, whether it be work ethics, the different kind of like mindsets, cause you had the, um, people who obviously either played soccer or they played lacrosse or basketball and they may be like a little bit more quiet while working out. And I know our, like Jeff and the other physical therapists I work for, they're very like, no, we're going to keep this lighthearted. Yeah. So then it turned into like great banter between all the patients Mm -hmm. and all the physical therapists and trainers we worked with. So that was just, again, kept your mind off of that one moment you weren't thinking about why, why did this happen to me or what's my next step or am I ever going to be back to normal? You're present. You're there in the moment working on whatever it is that you're there. Yeah, it is. So, um, it just, I, I got to experience that and come and see you guys. And it was just cool to see that, um, you know, brought me back to my times rehabbing and how important those conversations and camaraderie can be. Um, so you're a year, almost a year out of surgery. You're at a little over a year out of injury. Um, are you, you said you're still going to PT. Are you playing again? I am playing again. I'm gradually, I made a promise to Jeff. I would gradually work back into things, um, which I have upheld so far and I plan to, um, I'm working back into still playing indoor. Um, Mm -hmm. the biggest, a lot of people ask me the question, well, are you going to play indoor still like indoor took away from you? Like a tournament with the beach national team and stuff like that. And that was a conversation I actually had with my dad. I was like, I don't, what do I do? Like, am I going to be scared to where Mm. I step on that field? And I'm like, Nope, I'm out. Not for me anymore. And he gave me like incredible advice. He was like, that's something you have done for years. You've met your best friends. You have met so many incredible people. It's like, it's who you are. You you play fantastic in indoor and you've developed you it's turned you into a better player, both mm-hmm. on like on turf or on beach sand. Right. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Like I, that was a big thing to get over. It's like, you don't ever want to be scared. So scared that you're willing to like give up something that made you who you are. Yeah. You just have to be smart about going back into it. So I have started playing. I do not wear cleats anymore on turf. I now wear only flats. Yep. <laughs> Fair <laughs> so I'm enough. I'm a little bit smarter. I'm yeah. a little bit smarter. Um, again, easing back into it so that I'm not going into tackles hundred percent right off the gate because mm-hmm. there's no reason for that. Um, and when it comes to beach, I am back training, back playing. Um, I played in my first tournament in January. Um, and it was hilarious. I told myself and my team, I was like, I'm only going to play like it's so beach soccer is three, 12 minute periods. Okay. And I told my team, I was like, I'm only going to play like a minute or two each period. Like, Oh yeah. Just right. going to try it out. Try it out. No, 
<laughs> at like five or six minutes, I'm like, okay, I have to get off the field now. Like, but again, oh, I think how like did I'm that so feel? <laughs> how was that it the was, first game you were back? Um, you go into like a tackle again with beach. It's a little bit, a little bit different in the fact that with sand, your foot doesn't really get stuck. So it kind of mm-hmm. gives a little bit more. Um, but you go into that first 50, 50 tackle. And I think my heart like just came up into my throat, like, Oh no. Oh yeah. no. And then like, there was a moment around my team, like you could hear them just go. And I like popped up from it and you just kind of look around and you're like, okay. All right. Like you just have to kind of just, yeah. if you go in scared, you're going to get hurt. But if you go mm-hmm. in, just like, I'm going to go smart. I know I can win this. So I'm going to go in. Yep. And it was just, it was so exciting. And then of course, like after the tournament, all the emotions, like mm-hmm. I'm just sitting on the beach, like taking my stuff off. And I'm like, Oh, okay. We just did that. Yeah. We just did that. All right. Big smiles. Like, no, t- no tears though. No happy tears. Um, like maybe a tear, but oh. I think that's because I had sand in my eye, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the sand. It was the sand. Um, yeah. even just that, like the mental side is so important. And even you just speaking to it there is you're prepping your body when you're thinking those things going into a tackle, like I can do this. I'm strong. Like that is prepping your body to believe what is the outcome coming next. And it's important. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of doctors have, um, some kind of mental survey when you're returning to play is they can, they want to make sure that you're mentally where you need to be. So physically your body can perform the way it should, because it's all interconnected. Right. And, and and that's why you find release with reading books and that release helps you then work harder because you've learned something or you've found a little bit of an outlet into something different and you can get back into working out in a, with a better mindset there, it's just so interconnected and it's important to, I think the, the quicker you can realize that the easier and the more rewarding this process can be. A hundred percent. And I know I do, I love, I do a lot of like visualization, mm-hmm. um, either before PT or the night before games and things like that, because it's been proven that like when you're running through your mind and you're picturing how you're going to go into that tackle or how you're going to be running or working out or things like that. Like it's like your brain figures it out for your body to where Mm -hmm. your body's like, Oh, okay, cool. I'm on board with that. Yeah. Your brain doesn't know the difference between visualization and actually performing a task. It banks them as the same thing. So if you're visualizing it, it is banking it as like you performed that task, which is so cool. I know. So cool. So cool. Um, I I was going through like one of the things I I found too, is like, did you find a lot of relief or release in, in posting some of your journey on your, your Instagram and through your social? Because it, it seemed to me like everything that I have read over, you know, following you on your journey and there seems to be, it's almost like a journal in some ways you've, you've journaled your way through this. How would you recommend that to people or what did that do for you in particular to, to help you through this? For me, it was just, it was kind of exciting. Like it was those proud moments of, Hey, I'm doing this. Hey, Mm -hmm. I'm at this point. Like it's, it's possible to get to that point. Like don't give up, don't quit. And for me, it was just kind of those proud moments of like, Hey, I'm able to jump. I'm able to do like 
split jumps or, and, or squat jumps, or I'm running on the treadmill for the first time. And for me, it was like just being able to selfishly share those proud moments, which you should be proud of like yourself. You yeah. as an ACL member, like you've gone through a lot, especially if it takes you away from a sport or whether it takes you away from something you love, like mm-hmm. walking out, like going for walks or riding a bike and things like that. So you 100% should celebrate, feel, like celebrate, celebrate, be proud of it. But also it was awesome. Cause I was able to update like team members yeah. and I had people start following me saying like, I love seeing your journey. So then you're like, you know what? Like I'm, I'm happy to be like an inspiration to other people when yeah. it came to those ACL like milestone moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, can you share your, how people can follow you now so that people can go and look at some of those things? Cause you did write some really good, like some of your captions are super inspiring. I would say they all came. I can't, I won't take credit for them. They're all from the books I read, which I think I did. Right. But, like but then you, but then you, <laughs> you explained thing like what you were feeling, you know, there were quotes, did, but yeah. then there were explanation of just your thoughts and your feelings. Yeah. So I am nutmeg. I want to say underscore nine on Instagram. Um, and I don't have Twitter or anything like that, yeah. but you can follow me there. All, all things beach for sure. Yeah. Little bit of life. Yeah. One of the things I read that I just loved is, um, I think it was your reel of your whole entire journey. And it was just this compilation of things. And you had written in the, the caption, like a little bit of hope begins in the dark. And mm-hmm. I just felt like that was such a powerful thing to say, because that can't be drowned out in the dark, no matter what happens, right? If you have hope and you hold on to that, um, that is a spark for, for what's next. It's a spark for your hard work, for your belief, for all those things to come. It's, it's huge. You just have to make sure you see if you can look at it, like look back on your day. Um, and okay. I can think of three peaks, um, that are the highlights of my day, three, three peaks that I loved. And it could honestly be like, I folded the laundry today, but you know what, if you're proud about it, you should be proud about it. It's that was the biggest thing is again, like you said, there's, there's always a little bit of light peeking out. You just have to like have that mindset to find it. I love it, Megan. This has been such a fun conversation to get to know you, your journey, and um, excited you're back doing what you love. Uh, the last thing I always ask people is the podcast is called Show Your Scars. So, what does that mean to you, or what what do your scars mean to you? Um, for me, my scars mean. Oh, that is such a good. Oh my gosh. For me, like, first of all, I do love bragging about like my actual physical scar on my knee. I think it's the coolest thing ever. Me too. Don't know why, but I guess as a soccer player, you're like, yeah, that one's a good one. (laughs) Um, For me, when when I hear the phrase show your scars, it's being able to share what you've gone through and share the things that you've experienced, the good, the bad, the ugly with people who are also going through something difficult, whether it's an ACL, whether it's uh, just any type of turmoil in their life or a big decision or anything, and just showing your scar and explaining how you made it through 
what could have been a really difficult time, but changed it into your own story, your own narrative. Um, and that's the biggest thing I think is you show your scar and you, you find that camaraderie and you show someone else that like, Hey, you're not alone. I got you. Let me show you mine. Mm -hmm. And then we can compare. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's the biggest thing is sharing with the other people that either they went through it, they're about to go through it and just helping out as much as possible. I love that. Nobody gets through this life without scars, you know, not, not just physical, but mental, emotional scars of, of healing, of showing you made it through something. So that is such such good words there. I love it, Megan. Thanks for taking, gosh, an hour to chat with me. It was so fun to chat with you. <laughs> it was so much fun. It was a blast. It didn't feel like an hour. I love it. <laughs> yeah. That's, time flies when you're having fun, right? <laughs> yes. uh, all right. Thanks again. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Megan. I feel like she laid a lot of things out there, whether it was about timelines or communication, what was difficult about her process. And really, I think one of the things that I loved and what I take away from is it's so easy to focus on the fear, right? That one negative thing that happened, the one incident of injury. But what you have to remember when you're getting back to the sport or the thing that you love to do again is all the great things that came before that one incident that those far outnumber that one thing that was difficult and that one year that was difficult. So keep reminding yourself of those good things because they outweigh the difficulty of what you've been through over the last year. There's a lot of growth in this process and I think Megan talks about that. I love being back sharing stories of how we overcome things. That's what this is all about, you know, specifically ACL injuries, but There are so many things, so many scars that we have that we have to overcome. And I think that's what really Show Your Scars is about. So go out there wherever you are and show your scars with pride.